0: is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.06 AM Central Daylight Time. It's the 13th of November, 2020. This is episode 321. Of Bitcoin and Bitcoin Q&A strikes again. Yeah. I, like It seems like it was almost every day now. But he has put out a tweet on November the 12th for Bitcoin Privacy Guide, A Beginner's Guide to Bitcoin Privacy. So if you want to be private and you're a Bitcoiner, you probably need to check out at BitcoinQ underscore A. Or you can just go to well, Bitcoin Privacy guide, dot G U I D E like a guide, you know, somebody who takes you through the forest of the trees and all that kind of shit so you don't get lost or eaten by wolves. Anyway, here's the intro for Bitcoin Privacy Guide. We won't beat around the bush. Bitcoin privacy is not easy, especially for newcomers comers. There are many pitfalls in which you can trip yourself up. This site is designed to walk you through the basic steps to gain a good level of privacy. When interacting with the Bitcoin network, these steps are written in a deliberate order to ensure that those starting from absolute zero give themselves the greatest privacy opportunity from day one. If you are already a Bitcoiner, but after reading this field that you have missed or done something wrong, fear not. The best time to start taking steps to improve your privacy is now. Not yesterday. Not tomorrow. Now. Actually, the best time was yesterday, but the next best time is now. Okay, so just keep that shit in mind. Anyway, here's table of contents <clears throat> sourcing your bitcoin as in where you get it and i've got some news on that a little bit later securing your bitcoin segregating your bitcoin scrutinizing your bitcoin transactions separating your bitcoin from its past safeguarding your bitcoin spending your bitcoin and supplementary tools and then he's even got a pu- uh, a little tab here or tab a link here for pull requests where he says pull requests and suggestions are welcomed. So if you go through this guide, again, it's bitcoinprivacy.guide. But let's see, just is going to go over to sourcing your Bitcoin subtable of contents. Why no KYC? Where to buy no KYC? Other options and trade offs. <clears throat> this looks as usual when it comes to things out of. Bitcoin Q and A. This looks really comprehensive. I highly recommend taking a look at it. Um, you know, use all these guides at your own risk. Um, you know, but there is no reason not to read something like this. Uh, with the way things are going, with the price rises, with oh Rashida or however you pronounce her name, Tulab out of Congress, who's all crying about the OCC overstepping their bounds, and we'll have. We'll have more news on that later. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be more important than ever that we get all of our ducks in a row, not just running our full nodes, not just hooking up our hardware wallets to our full nodes, not just, I mean, we got a lot to learn, okay? There's, there's a shit ton to learn. And why? Because we are on the open end of an open-ended architecture, just like the web was in 1990. Actually, even way before that, but. When it started getting into mainstream, it was really kludgy, and you had to fit a whole bunch of stuff together and remember when just, you know, installing an operating system was on floppy disk. For those of the, you for those of you who don't remember that, yes, like I would get Windows on like floppy version of, Windows, Windows would be on like 20 different disks. Serious, I'm not lying, so were video games. You had to install your own drivers by hand. Stop bitching. Okay. Because the way Bitcoin is going to work in the future is, I think, as easy as it is working the World Wide Web and installing software is today. All right. But <clears throat> for those of us that are in the know now, you we better get our shit together in so insofar as how the underlying infrastructure works, because there is going to be no end to the amount of jobs for consultants out there coming in the next few years. And if you know the underlying architecture, then it doesn't matter how much, how easier they make this shit. For the next few years, consultancies are probably going to be pretty hot. Just saying, bro, General Flynn. That's right. The good general himself. And I don't know if you like him or hate him. I honestly don't give a shit. But he says this, Bitcoin, colon, and he puts Bitcoin in all caps. The rise of digital currency may be a matter of evolutionary destiny. Understand it because it will happen. Wow. He's referencing a Wall Street Journal article, which since I don't pay for a subscription to this shit newspaper and they don't have it, you know, don't understand that they can just let me read one story without going through the whole weird subscription thing. Yeah, uh, we're we're talking we're looking at a dying newspaper because they don't get Bitcoin. But General Flynn, and we're talking about the actual you know the general himself, uh, seems to get Bitcoin. So what he's referencing Bitcoin and the digital currency revolution article from the Wall Street Journal, <clears throat> which was when was it written? Oh, this was actually written way back in January twenty third, twenty fifteen. Wow, dude, he's he's, got, he's reaching way back. This is interesting. Anyway, it just says, oh, uh, let's see, about half a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin vanished from an online exchange in Tokyo. It's talking about Mt. Gox. Uh, let's see, a prosecutor in Manhattan arrested the 24 year old vice chairman of its most prominent trading body on drug related charges of money laundering. Its, founder identi- its founder's identity remains a mystery. And last year, it shed two thirds of its value. Losing an additional 44% in just the first two weeks of January, in this year-end letter to investors, Warren Buffett's advice about about it was em- emphatic. "Quote: Stay away." Remember, this story is back from 2015, so it's not the story that's important. It's it's General Flynn, because General Flynn, and I did not realize this, wrote this all the way back on February the first, 2015. I had no idea. I don't think any of us caught this shit. I'm looking at, let's see, yeah, I'm looking at the replies to this tweet, and almost every reply to this tweet is, well, not every reply. Let's see, there's a actually, okay, there's quite a bit that do go back all the way back in time, but not, you know, I'm seeing some stuff from 2015. I'm seeing most of it is from 20 hours ago when somebody re, prominent in the in the space retweeted it. But I'm not seeing, like, I'm literally hardly seeing anything that would say that somebody, you know, wrote him back on this tweet back in 2015. General Flynn is a lot earlier than we think. You know, at this point, that General Flynn has been stacking because this tweet, February 1st, 2015, Bitcoin, the rise of digital currency, may be a matter of evolutionary destiny. Understand it because it will happen way back when it was about 200 but actually, it wasn't even 250 bucks. It was probably under or right around 200 bucks at the time. So keep that shit in mind. Even the general gets it. <clears throat> All right, now Bitcoin is now the 20, oh, the 20th biggest asset by market cap. Whoopsies. Bitcoin's market cap is bigger than PayPal, Verizon and Citigroup. Yes, even Zoom. Robert Steven's is going to tell us about it from decrypt.co. With a market cap of nearly $300 billion, Bitcoin is now the 20th most valuable asset by market cap, according to Asset Dash, a site that tracks those sorts of things. Bitcoin pipped home improvement retailer Home Depot to take the 20th position and already beat out Verizon and PayPal. Perhaps that's why PayPal is starting to offer Bitcoin. Still, yet to conquer our payment companies MasterCard and Visa, 18th and 11th respectively. Bitcoin hit 20th position after its price boomed to 16117 a more than $5,000 increase since the start of October when its price was about $10,500 and its market cap was right around $200 billion. Bitcoin's already affected almost all of the companies ahead of it, NVIDIA, 17th is battling a lawsuit that alleges that the graphics card firm didn't explain how much it relied on Bitcoin mining hardware. JP Morgan, 15th, is building its own crypto. JPM coin and Facebook, 5th, tried its darndest to launch its own global world global currency project. Uh, Libra, Walmart, which comes in at number 10, traces its lettuce on the supply chain blockchain system built by IBM, who's, oh God, 88th. Ooh, wow, man, y'all have, Falling on hard times, IBM. Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, which comes in at twelfth, uh, tweets about Bitcoin every so often, and <clears throat> recently caused the price of his favorite Bitcoin spinoff Dogecoin to spiral upward after he recognized its fetid existence. Even Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway owns Bitcoin. Well, he hates the stuff, but he was given one by Tron CEO Justin Sun. Yeah, I think he. I think he gave that one away already, guys. So, he, I, I'm pretty sure Warren Buffett doesn't hold. The rat poison squared. Ethereum trails behind in 199th position. Tether, the U.S. uh, dollar stablecoin company, is way behind at 545th. XRP is 754th. Ooh, boy, yeah. uh Yeah, it's going to flip. All that shit's going to flip Bitcoin just like, you know, tomorrow. All right, remember how I was telling you about the US senators crying and bitching and moaning and pissing up a rope about how the OCC was overstepping their bounds? Well, now they're going to have to write a letter to the SEC because the SEC has now joined major authorities and qualifies banks as Bitcoin custodians. I'm pretty sure they're not, le- I'm pretty sure letters aren't going to make a damn bit of difference at this point, y'all. This is from CryptoBriefing.com. It was written by Vishal Chalwa. Um, No, I'm butchering it, but hey, what are you going to do? The Securities and Exchange Commission, or the SEC, now qualifies U.S. banks, broker-dealers, and registered future commission merchants as custodians for digital assets, including both cryptocurrencies, such as Bitcoin and tokenized securities. In July, the OCC, or the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, allowed U.S. national banks and cooperative banks to provide custody of cryptocurrencies. While the decision was a favorable step for adopting Bitcoin, there was still a lack of clarity about the custody of cryptos that may be considered securities. Such tokenized securities fall under the SEC's jurisdiction. The regulator finally weighed in on the issue by releasing a public statement on November the 9th. In the statement, the SEC clarified that it recognizes all U.S. banks as qualified custodians for digital assets under the Investment Advisors Act. Here, the commission has extended the same custody rule for securities to digital assets like Bitcoin. SEC's custody rule requires that registered investment advisors, or RIAs. Have custody of their client assets, funds, and securities with qualified custodians. A qualified custodian is an institution that is allowed to hold assets like securities on behalf of their investors. Under the rule, the SEC recognizes financial institutions that can function as qualified custodians of clients' assets. This includes banks, broker-dealers, and future merchants. Such institutions meet strict compliance requirements set by the SEC. Quote, the SEC staff is issuing this statement to encourage interested parties to engage with the staff directly on the application of the custody rule to digital assets. The document reads, besides the aforementioned institutions listed by SEC, United States, the U.S. states also trust companies to function as qualified custodians of client assets, including SEC. Oh, sorry. Cryptocurrencies. The SEC is further exploring if state-chartered trust firms can provide adequate digital asset security, or even better than those provided by banks. "Quote: In what ways are custodial services that are provided by state-chartered companies equivalent to those provided by banks, broker-dealers, and future commission merchants? <clears throat> in what ways do they differ?" asked the SEC staff in a released document. The cust- The custody of financial assets is a complex subject for regulators. In the context of digital assets and cryptocurrencies, the law is still in its early stage. By inviting public comments, the SEC is finally taking the initial steps to build digital asset regulations. All right, so they're at at this stage where after the OCC has taken their view and made that public, not once, but twice in two different interpretive letters, Now the SEC has stepped in and are backing, basically backing the OCC's claim, which is going to make banks much more risk. uh, They're going to make them much less risk adverse to this entire industry, which means that if they're going to offer custody, it's not like they're going to start asking people that are already in the know to pull their Bitcoin out of their hardware wallets or transfer it from one place to their bank. No, they're going to start selling this shit. That's what's going to happen. Banks are going to start selling this shit. And whoever is the first bank to do that, guess what happens to the price? Because they're going to be taking liquidity off of the market, right? They're going to be pulling it into their, they're going to be buying it out in the open. Now they probably won't market buy it, but they'll OTC it or something like that. And they're going to get their hands on it. They're going to custody it, and then they're going to sell it as a service to their customers, which means that now you've got all the banks, and whichever is the first domino to fall, it doesn't matter. They're all going to end up falling, and they're all going to start buying Bitcoin at once. What does that mean? Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, uh, yes, that is exactly what that means. So, buckle up. I don't know what to tell you. Now, this feeds right into, this is basically a huge slap in the face to one of the most well-respected money managers and hedge fund managers and investors of the whole world who, when he opens his mouth and says stupid shit, well, apparently everybody listened for about a second and a half because the response to Ray Dalio is banning Bitcoin is a game of (laughs) whack-a-mole. Shade Fadil Pasek is writing this for CryptoNews.com. Um, And he's writing it when? Yesterday. Following a statement by Ray Dalio, American billionaire investor, founder of major global investment firm Bridgewater Associates, that governments would outlaw Bitcoin should it get too big. Multiple responses came out of the cryptoverse on why this is impossible or at the very least highly unlikely. And now with the SEC saying shit, I think Ray Dalio has has basically been essentially shut the F up. And if Bitcoin becomes material, the governments won't allow it. I mean, they'll outlaw it, said Dalio in a November 7th interview with Yahoo Finance. They'll use whatever teeth they have to enforce that. The governments will for, would forbid people to transact in Bitcoin, putting people into position where such a transaction might be a felony, argued the investor. Meanwhile, according to Parker Lewis, head of business development at Unchained Capital, Bitcoin cannot be banned. It would be a fool's errand that would set a global, hopeless game of whack-a-mole in motion. He stated that it is irrational to believe that all the people in the world who adopted Bitcoin for financial freedom and sovereignty would simply accept the ultimate infringement of the most basic freedoms it's designed to provide and preserve. Furthermore, quote, setting aside the constitutional issues, it would be technically infeasible to enforce a ban on Bitcoin in any meaningful way. Lewis argues that, (coughs) quote, The idea that somehow Bitcoin can be banned by governments is the final stage of grief. Oh, right before acceptance. Yay. The consequence of the statement is an admission that Bitcoin works. In fact, it posits that Bitcoin works so well that it will threaten the incumbent government run monopolies on money, in which case governments will regulate it out of existence to eliminate the threat. End quote. Hmm. That's right. Following the interview, numerous other counterarguments came from the cryptoverse stating that the idea behind Dalio's statement is overestimated, unreasonable, even impossible, and that banning it might actually lead to its accelerated adoption. One such commenter is <clears throat> Moon Capital, finding that the threat of governments banning BTC is highly overestimated and not possible or even reasonable, adding that governments have been unsuccessful at banning even those things that exist physically, i.e. drugs, alcohol, prostitution, human trafficking. I mean, come on, the list goes on and on and on and on. And none of them, I'd like, again, I'd like to congratulate drugs and alcohol for winning the war on drugs and prohibition. I'm just saying, man. Per their comments, a person who presents such an argument has already conceded that BTC is the world's most valuable monetary good and understands that BTC will become valuable to such an extent that governments will find it threatening. (coughs) Furthermore, as Dalio mentioned the U.S. banning private gold ownership in the 1930s, Moon Capital argued it's because the USD was redeemable for a fixed amount of gold and they needed to break the peg to expand credit, rather stimulate, while today it's not pegged to gold, certainly not to BTC, so they can stimulate as much as they want. <clears throat> Popular generalist investor Lynn Alden, who is also an advisor to Swan Bitcoin, a BTC investing group, seems to agree, saying that it was difficult to enforce the gold band in the first place. And though governments can ban exchanges and make it illegal to own BTC, which would drive out institutional money and put Bitcoin into the black market, the problem is that large investors and companies already own it. This is my argument, by the way. These include Paul Tudor Jones, MicroStrategy, and Square, as does former U.S. Congresswoman now elected to the Senate, Cynthia Loomis. Others, like Fidelity and PayPal, are now heavily involved as well. And as its capitalization and institutions' exposures to it grows, BTC will only become harder to ban, says Alden. Quote, Bitcoin is already an unusual asset that grew into the semi-mainstream from the bottom up through retail adoption. Once the political donor class owns it as well, which they increasingly do, the game is basically over for banning it. Trying to ban it would be an attack on the balance sheets of corporations, funds, banks, and investors that own it, and would not be popular among millions of voters that own it, she argued. However, Alden added that regulatory hostility is still a risk to watch out for while the market capitalization is sub-USD $1 trillion. <clears throat> Today, it stands above $290 billion USD. The risk can be managed with an appropriate proportion size for your unique financial situation and goals. Meanwhile, Lewis also stated that when... The U.S. Oh, sorry. uh, This Parker Lewis is what they mean. Meanwhile, Parker Lewis also stated that, quote, when the U.S. made the private ownership of gold illegal in 1933, gold did not lose its value, nor did it disappear as a monetary medium. But it increased in value relative to the dollar. And just 30 years later, the ban was lifted. (laughs) Okay, so there you go. Now there's there's something that Lynn didn't didn't mention about this this whole thing about the banning, uh, trying to ban it would be an attack on the balance sheets of corporations, funds, banks, and investors that own it. You're talking about lawsuits. That is exactly what's going to happen, and it will go to the Supreme Court because it's go, it's already gone past the Ninth Court uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals with oh the, the it was the cryptography um, I want to say like Brentwood or uh, Breitbart not Breitbart. Something versus the United States Department of Justice. In the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in the mid-90s, I want to say it was right 95, but that was when the Circuit Court of Appeals said, no, you know, cryptography is not a munition and in fact is freedom of speech. So it's protected under the First Amendment. Likewise, Citizens United argued in front of the Supreme Court, gave corporations the right to spend their money on political ads, you know, basically political donors um if they wanted to donate money to a you know presidential campaign they could uh the argument was that they couldn't because they didn't have freedom of speech under the first amendment well citizens united overturned that and said yes corporations are people therefore they are protected under free speech so the entire argument for banning bitcoin is going to come going to come down to a ninth circuit court of appeals opinion on freedom of speech for the underlying technology and a Supreme Court argument that came down on the side of people who said that money, spending money as they wish is freedom of speech. Both the technology and what Bitcoin actually means to the world, the, big, the technology that drives it, as well as the fact that it is money, both those things are protected under free speech in the United States. Good luck banning it. Good luck, bro. Good luck. Two historically rival tribes in Brazil join forces to create a shitcoin to fight government exclusion. I know it's another shitcoin, but this is really weird because tribes, I mean, we're talking like tribes. We're not talking like two, you know, a couple of countries. We're talking about tribes. This is just bizarre. And the fact that they're rivals and they're coming together over a common communication standard money, all right? It's too bad that they're not using Bitcoin and they are going to spin up a shitcoin coin and it's going to fail. But hey, at least they're trying. Felix Mullen is going to tell us about it from CryptoPotato.com. Two indigenous tribes from the northern region of Brazil have joined forces to create a shitcoin coin to save their future ugh, and have access to a decent income. After a lack of attention from that country's government, the two tribes are known for their uh, ancestral rivalries. So apparently these go back quite some time. Brazil's president Jair Bolsonaro is known for his derogatory perhaps even racist comments on the country's indigenous peoples yeah i remember this repeatedly asserting that any attention towards indigenous lands and their culture is a waste of resources on April the 12 1998 he told a brazilian newspaper or a Brazilian newspaper, that it was too bad that the Brazilian cavalry was not as efficient as the American cavalry, which exterminated all of the Indians. Holy God, dude, that's some brutal shit right there, bro. And during his administration, uh, he has actively worked to diminish the legal benefits of said indigenous peoples. With this in mind, it is not surprising that tribes with ancestral rivalries have come together in the face of a common enemy. However, it is surprising that a cryptocurrency was the binding agent of the historic partnership. No, it really wasn't. The cryptocurrency created by the tribes is a utility token named OYX. It was created by the native entrepreneur Elias Oxibaten Seru Sorry, man. <laughs> they hope to issue 100 million tokens with an initial selling price of 10 Brazilian Reis, just under $2 each. The proceeds will let tribes acquire the implements that they need to live. The benefits will go to to the Suri Pater and the Sintas Largus tribes. They are scattered in the states of Redondo and Mato Grosso. One of the ideas behind the emission of a digital token is the easiness, easy sorry, the easiness of auditing a donation. Firstly, they prevent any corrupt practices. Secondly, donors, can be confident their money is fulfilling the objective they had in mind. Moreover, people can know exactly how much they received and what the funds were spent on. The token's white paper. Oh God, they've got a white paper. So you know what? I'm just going to end it right there. But again, in the face of oppressive, and it doesn't even have to be government. It can be in. The, you could spin up a token in like as an oppressed office in IBM, okay? Because of workers and whatnot like that. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a government, but in the face of oppression, people will come together to, you know, to bond together over a common communications channel to fight this shit. And the one, the thing that is the most primitive in communication is money, right? That is a really powerful thing right there. Now, moving on to things that are not money. Severe bug found in core library for Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. No, this has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that there, that entire shit chain completely took a nap a couple of days ago. Okay, which I'm still getting shit for on Twitter. I'm still getting people saying, did the dumbest take that the developers didn't tell anybody what they were doing. It's not a dumb take because the developers didn't tell anybody what they were doing. And that's why Infura failed because they were on a geth node. Yeah, uh, up. They were on a geth node um, that wasn't upgraded to the the the, the upgrade. They didn't because the, they didn't even know an upgrade was happening. They were it was complete radio silence. No, no, that's a completely different thing than what I'm about to tell you right now, which is written by Sharwood Malwa sometime this morning. Severe bug found in core library. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, it just goes the the circus never ends mining pool two miners recently discovered a bug affecting ethereum's epoch switch a term for which for when the network moves from a set of filled blocks called an epoch to a new unfilled set as per a blog post last week the bug also affects ethereum classic a hard fork of ethereum blockchains despite what popular culture may compare to mere spreadsheets are highly complex mathematical structures that depend on several moving parts in order for them to operate seamlessly. This means any change, upgrade, or new development can spring up unforeseen consequences, which are usually accounted for but can still miss the boat sometimes. An upcoming fork on Ethereum Classic, the ECIP 1099 proposal, which cuts down on the network's hashing power, reportedly caused the problems this time. Two miners found that when the blockchain switched to its new epoch, mining pools were not validating the data despite it being legitimate. (laughs) God, Jesus, the implications of that one by itself is horrifying. Two miners later found the bug to be in the core library to use, used for maintaining both Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. Quote, With thorough investigation, we have discovered that the math in one of the core libraries used in many ETH hash-based cryptocurrencies is a little off, the firm said. It explained that the code was using calculation values of 32 bits instead of the required 64 bits. Jesus. I don't even know what to say about this. Why Why are you trusting in Ethereum at all at this point? The issue could have caused some nodes, individual servers that maintain the network, to accept newer data to the blockchain, but some other nodes to not accept newer data to the blockchain, creating a potentially drastic situation that could lead to a chain split similar to ethereum's the other day okay this is like on the heels of that shit. developers estimated that the problem would occur on january the first for the ethereum blockchain but was already an issue for ethereum classic two miners was able to identify and patch the issue for both blockchains it worked with ethereum classic developers who swiftly installed a fix on november the 6th quote thanks for this we're running a few sync tests In general, otherwise sanity checks, but in general, this looks good, and unless we find something unexpected, we'll have it merged very soon, end quote, a developer said before the fix went live. On Ethereum's side, the mining company released two pull requests to mitigate the issue, one that Ethereum developers installed on November the 11th. An Ethereum blog post published the next day encouraged users to download a patch for both this issue alongside a further unrelated critical vulnerability. Wow, Ethereum's just had quite the week, hasn't it? Get off this chain before it kills you. Let's run the numbers. I guess hopes for the vaccine have either been forgotten or fading. Oil is down 1.24%. Brent North Sea is down almost a point. Natural gas is up a little over a point. Gold, however, has rallied by half a point, but it is still under $1,900. Silver is up a half. Platinum is up almost a full point. Copper is up almost a third. Palladium is up a third. Uh, Livestock. You want to hear livestock? Well, you're not going to be able to hear it because all their API data is not coming in. So I don't know how much a live cattle or a lean hog uh, is actually going to cost you. But Dow futures up two, uh, what no three quarters of a point. S and P futures up three quarters of a point. Nasdaq futures up three quarters of a point, and S and P mini is up two thirds of a point. But here we go with real money. Bitcoin is going to cost you sixteen thousand two hundred and thirty nine dollars. That looks like it may be the low. Let's find out. Yes, that is the low price asset looks like it's going to have the high price over 16,284, so a very tight trading range. 330,000 transactions have been performed in the last 24 hours. That's almost 14,000 transactions on average per hour. 1.6 million BTC have been sent in that last 24 hours with 68,349 BTC being sent on average every hour. BTC is the average transaction value, while the median transaction value is 0.037 BTC, or about 606 bucks. Block times are excessively low, 9 minutes. Can you wonder why? 0.64 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis, and over 100 BTC have been taken in fees in the last 24 hours, We've had a bump in hash rate. Well, clearly 6.33% to the upside brings us up to 130.669 exahashes per second. We won't do the shit coins except for Doge. Dogecoin, 0.0028. And at $30,000, thirty dollars $30, $37,908 transactions is pretty much blowing the shit out of Ethereum Classic and Cash. And here's what's funny. Ethereum Classic and Bcash have the say almost the exact same amount of transactions in the last 24 hours. Dude, Bcash is just dying hardcore. Clark! Clark! Oh Clark! Clark says sixteen thousand two hundred and eighty-eight dollars. It's gonna cost you one dollar to get a hold of six thousand one hundred and thirty nine Satoshis. When Clark runs the numbers, the numbers come back saying that there's 18,542,081.65 BTC in in existence. We have six blocks that are going to have to take care of 9,618 transactions. That'll be in about an hour. And of course, more transactions are coming in all the time. Uh, 1,039.17 BTC are in the Lightning Network, and that is, good God, 16.9 million in capacity value. Holy shit. That's over 7,600 nodes, and that has 35,506 channels. Uh, we've got a huge bump. A nice, Well, not a huge bump. Uh, over the last couple of days, it has been a huge bump. Tor capacity for the Lightning Network is at 51.1%. So there is 530.54 BTC in the TOR side of the Lightning Network, and that is going to be running over 2,557 nodes. That's going to do it for vitals. All right, part 2 of the snooze that you can use is brought to you by Cuck's. At Mr. Cux K-U-K-K-S, who says on November the 12th that he paid his first negative interest rate. It was more than the 10 years of interest that he had gathered on his savings all put together. Bitcoin can only grow, grow in Europe from this. So yeah, no, seriously. So all the interest that he accrued on his principal over the last 10 years was wiped out in a single negative interest payment. Do not think that shit cannot happen in the United States. Do not think that for a second, because if you do, and then they got they got you by the short hairs. Um, why is this grayed out? This is bizarre. Uh, okay, whatever. Um, I want to. It's a reminder here that <clears throat> Joe Rogers at underscore Joe Rogers R O D G E R S is a full blown. Azteco Vendor, that's Azteco. That's Beautyon's outfit, by the way, if you know who Beautyon is. He hasn't been posted as much lately, but um, if you were there back in the day, you know who Beautyon is. Anyway, he started a company over in the UK called Azteco. That is at A-Z-T-E-C-O underscore. Go check it out because you can buy non-KYC-BTC through Azteco. If you want to know more about it, hit up Azteco or or maybe Joe Rogers will tell you about it. I don't know. I mean, seems plausible. Anyway, um, let's see here. Now, the Bitcoin price has only been higher than 12... God, I I blew that one. Oh, well. The Bitcoin price has only been higher than now for 12 days in its history. Joshua Mapperson for Cointelegraph.com says as of 4 hours ago the Bitcoin price which is currently sitting at 16,320 has only been at this level or higher for 12 days in the coin's entire 4,332 day history representing just 0.28% of the cryptocurrency's life. Crypto analytics platform Missouri published data stating that the closing price had exceeded 16,320 on only 12 other days. <coughs> 10 of which occurred from December the 7th to the 20th in 2017 when the highest close occurring on December 16th at 19378 Any investor who bought at the all-time high of $20,089 would still be down 18.35%. In contrast, investors who bought at this cycle's low of 3126 on December the 15th, 2018 would be up 424%. Of the other top 10 coins, I don't give a shit. By contrast, the majority of altcoins are yet to enter proportionality ra- rare prices, proportionally rare price ranges, uh, and then they talk about ether and all the rest of them, blah 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 blah. Bitcoin strong rise past 16,000 has also seen record volume recently, with more than 5.5 billion dollars in Bitcoin trading volume recorded on November the 5th. Holy shit, only nine days have seen stronger volume in Bitcoin's history. Compared to this day in previous years, investors have seen profits of 88%, 2,275%, 4,326%, and a staggering 5.8 million percent. Yeah, that's actually the number. For the years 2019, 16, 13, and 10, respectively, in other words, investing $1 into Bitcoin on November the 13th, 2010 would have increased... To fifty-eight thousand dollars three hundred and thirty oh fifty-eight thousand three hundred and thirty-nine dollars today. God dang it. Why didn't I get in? DeFi platform Acropolis admits to being hacked for two million dollars. Jeff Benson for decrypt.co says it's the latest loan attack on the Ethereum-based DeFi protocol for yield farming. Acropolis. Which runs a protocol for generating interest on pooled Ethereum based assets is the latest DeFi project to be hacked via a flash loan. Several of the pools within the project's Delphi savings pool for yield farming were drained of over 2 million DAI worth roughly $2 million. Quote At 416 or 436 GMT, we noticed a discrepancy in the APYs. Of our stablecoin pools and identified that two million DAI had been drained out of the Y Curve and SUSD pools. The project reported in a statement released the evening of November the 12th. Curve is a protocol for trading stablecoins and earning interest, according to the Acrop. Uh, to, uh, uh, sorry, according to Acropolis, other Curve pools, B S U or BUSD and SBTC, as well as Aave and Compound pools, were not affected. The attacks seemingly come as a surprise for Acropolis, which said the pools had undergone two independent audits. Quote, however, the attack vectors used in the exploit were not identified in either audit, it said. The essence of the exploit in question is a combination of a re-entrancy attack with DYDX flash loan origination. In quote. The hacker didn't keep the stolen funds for long, immediately transferring the pilfered winnings to another wallet. <clears throat> Acropolis has committed to reviewing the code and, quote, exploring ways to reimburse users for the loss in a way that is sustainable for the project, which means they can't do it. While it does so, it's paused all stablecoin pools and says it has informed exchanges of the hack. Wait, <laughs> jeez, my God almighty. Late last month, Harvest Finance lost around $34 million in USDC and USDT stablecoin reserves due to a flash loan attack. Earlier in the year, BZX's margin trading platform was the target of a $350,000 exploit. With all that, how is it that you just don't come to the following conclusion? Shows you the stupidity! Yeah, it sure does. It sure does, doesn't it? So, God, oh, God, the pain. Just stop. $300 million in Bitcoin <clears throat> flow to Binance from Wobi as China gets tougher on exchanges. This is from CoinDesk's Miao Shen. As the Chinese government cracks down on several crypto exchanges catering to traders based in China, many of those customers and their Bitcoin have been making their way to Binance over the past few days. Bitcoin flows to Binance from Huobi or Wobi reached an all-time high since the Wobi chief operating officer Robin Zhu, allegedly went missing on November the 2nd, according to data provided by CryptoQuant, a total number of 18,600 And 52 Bitcoin worth nearly $300 million was transferred from Wobi to Binance from that day until November the 11th. Quote, a lot of users went to Binance because Chinese users are more familiar with Binance and Binance's executives are all overseas. Quote, Colin Wu, a Chinese crypto reporter behind the Twitter account Wu Blockchain told Coindesk on a WeChat message. A spokesperson from Binance declined to comment. On any impact China's crackdown could have on its business for months, Chinese regulators have been clamping down on many crypto trading platforms that cater mainly to Chinese clients. Some of these exchanges appear to have close, albeit informal, relationships with the Chinese government. The whereabouts of Wobi's zoo remains unclear since rumors began circulating in early November that alleged, he was allegedly re- arrested by local officials. Holy shit, that's right. And he hasn't come back? Damn, that's kind of scary. Uh, prices for Wobi token dropped to as low as $3.74 on November the 3rd, which is down 11.3% from $4.22 on November the 1st, according to Mazzari. Over at Rival Exchange OKX, with deep ties to China, all withdrawal services remained suspended after it said a holder of a private key needed to authorize withdrawals was out of touch while cooperate, cooperating with public security investigators in China. <coughs> OKX's native token OKB lost nearly 30% of its market value after the news broke. Other exchanges are also feeling the heat. On November the 9th, the person running TokenBetter, another crypto exchange with mostly Chinese users, was reportedly under investigation. TokenBetter's platform banned its withdrawal services on September or uh, October the 16th. This is not the first attempt by the regulators in China to crack down on crypto exchanges. Wobi is now based in Seychelles, while OKX is in Malta. It is unclear where Binance's main business operations are located. CZ, Binance's chief executive officer, told Coindesk his company's locations are decentralized. Good for you, CZ. <laughs> Wobi did not answer Coindesk's question on where Zoo is currently, but in a WeChat message, Sarah Sun, vice president of Wobi's Global Markets, wrote that all operations at the company are, quote, normal. Quote, do not listen to rumors, a.k.a. FUD, she continued. Wobi reserves the right to pursue legal responsibility for those who spread rumors. Oh. oh, my. Damn, well, she's off. She's a little firecracker, isn't she? Many have associated OKX's lost contract with one of its key holders with the arrest of its co-founder, ming Xing Star-Zoo, with Wobi's executive allegedly being arrested. Its users are afraid the same things will happen to the Seychelles-based exchange, even though Wobi is guaranteed its, many, its users many times that it is maintaining normal operations. Multiple sources close to the OKX and Wobi told uh, Coindesk, the new crackdown is associated with China's efforts to fight money laundering and fraud. No, that's actually bullshit too. They're just as bad as what's going on in the United States. And it is unlikely to have any connection with China's rollout of its central bank digital currency. Quote, China doesn't want digital products to be disruptive to what's already in the financial system. Felix Wang, managing director and partner at financial investment research firm Hedgeye, told Coindesk in an interview. Quote, the government wants to encourage innovation and development. The only they only want to crack down on products that they think are misleading to the public. End quote. <clears throat> Crypto exchanges are not the only target of the Chinese regulators in recent months. Perhaps the most well-known case was Ant Group's initial public offering, which was suspended on both the Shanghai and Hong Kong stock exchanges after the company's founder, Jack Ma, criticized China's regulators in a speech on October the 24th. Uh, A possible positive long-term outcome of the crackdown for exchanges could be that it may encourage the regulators in China to eventually push some sort of compliance process for crypto exchanges instead of banning them, according to Huo Wang, founder of and chief executive officer of Hong Kong-based crypto brokerage CyberX. Quote, most of these lost users from Wobi will eventually flow to the white label exchanges because most traders in Asia do not currently have access to trading platforms with regulatory compliance, Wang told Coindesk in a WeChat message. Nonetheless, as China increasingly tightens its grip on its fintech industry, Others are also concerned that it will hurt the fintech industry as a whole, blockchain included. As such, companies expand their businesses overseas. Quote, the sentiment is very bad for all countries outside of China looking to do business with China at this time, Wang said. People got worried when China introduced these micro financial regulations. They are thinking now that this is going to be part of a little step of a bigger crackdown on fintech. Finance related payment and maybe blockchain. Yeah, you should probably get the hell out of China if you can. I mean, this shit's just gonna get worse before it gets better. And while this is, you know, this stuff is technically all true, you know, it, it can be used as FUD. There are several people on Twitter that were talking about the China FUD lately, and I kind of didn't know you know what he was talking about cause I didn't hear any big stories. And, and now I understand that what he was talking about was the fact that all this shit put together over the last couple of months. Um, yeah, I don't even worry about it anymore. The whole China ban thing. I've seen it too many times to actually give a shit about it. Cause it just, it's like prohibition or the war on drugs sped up. Like instead of decades, you know, or years we're talking like, you know, months or, you know, days. Before it clears up. So is this the top? CNBC tips five months of Bitcoin upside. <laughs> Brian Kelly's talking about it. It's probably the top. Turner Wright. Tell us about it from uh, Cointelegraph. This is the death knell of Bitcoin. It was fun while it lasted. 3K, here we come. That's a direct quote. Apparently from, I don't know, who knows? Probably Brian Kelly. Because a bull and bright. Bullish Brian Kelly of CNBC's Fast Money said today that crypto's gains may extend to a full year after the halving, which many members of crypto Twitter immediately took as a major sell signal. (laughs) You got to counter trade the Brian, dude. In the November 12th interview on CNBC, Kelly said to host Melissa Lee that the surge of high profile and institutional investors moving towards Bitcoin could mean a bullish future for the cryptocurrency asked for a price prediction. He instead said, quote, there's a lot of scope for the upside. Most of the gains that uh, come are the year after the halving and we're seven months into that year after the halving and Bitcoin's doing what it should do. And quote, Lee concluded, quote, so there could be five more months here of pretty good upside. End quote. Rather than being delighted at mainstream coverage and bullish price predictions, Twitter users were quick to joke. This meant the bull run was over following a theme that has been circulating among Bitcoin since, or Bitcoiners since 2017, Always do the opposite of what CNBC suggests. Uh, quote, if these two are telling people to invest, it's time to sell, said Twitter user Mr. Decentralized. Quote, this is the death knell of Bitcoin, said Crypto Emporium. It was fun while it lasted. 3K, here we come. Black Roots founder Josh Ragger implored CNBC to delete this tweet. Others expressed their thoughts in memes. Three-word phrases like top is in and disapproval that the free ride was over. Many CNBC predictions on the crypto asset have proven to be less than reliable. You think? In March 2018, after Bitcoin fell under $10,000, the network tweeted that it was a buy sign for the crypto asset. Bitcoin then fell under $7,000 by April. At the time of publication, BTC is priced at $16,430, having risen 5% in the last 24 hours. So, there you go. And, uh, oh, is that it? Nope, that's not it. We got one more here. ECB's Lagarde has hunch that the digital euro will launch in two to four years. Two weeks, TM, CoinDesks. Bradley Kuhn's going to tell us about it. Quote, we might well go in that direction, Lagarde said Thursday on a virtual panel with Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell and Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey. Quote, my hunch is that it will come. Wow, you guys are going to be so behind not You guys are already, already behind you're not going to survive this, are you? ECB officials have previously disclosed they are conducting research into a central bank digital currency and Bank of Finland governor, Ali Rehn, told Reuters last month he believes a digital euro is very likely to debut in the next decade. <laughs> Lagarde said a digital euro would take extensive time to develop, including not just the underlying technology, but anti-money laundering controls and prevention of terrorism financing I, you know, whatever. She noted that China's central bank has been working on a digital version of its wand for several years. As reported by Coindesk, China is already conducting trials of the digital wand. Quote, if it's going to facilitate cross border payments, we should explore it, Lagarde said Thursday, though she does not expect paper money to disappear. Quote, a digital euro will not be a substitute for cash, it will be a compliment. For his part, Fed Chair Powell reiterated the U.S. Central Bank is evaluating the merits of a digital dollar, but has not yet made a decision on creating a digital currency. The Fed is looking into the merits of possible technical solutions to a digital dollar, though it does not appear likely to launch one within the next few years. The Bank of England's governor, meanwhile, said that there may be privacy concerns for privately issued stablecoins, and CBDCs may be the answer to that bar. God forbid we should be private. Bailey has said in the past that he would like to see a global framework for regulating stablecoins. Yeah, well, good luck. Anyway, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. <laughs> Daily Trainwrecked, brought to you by Dimitri Pleasure, whatever. Anyway, he's responding to Brandon Espinoa who says, Whoa, Adam Curry, I didn't know your podcasting 2.0 project was leveraging lightning. This is huge news. Wow, Bitcoin maxis need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. That's right, because Adam Curry's podcasting 2.0 is leveraging the lightning network and it's doing it in a really interesting way. You should probably go check that out. And all you have to do to get there is go to, I think it's podcastindex.com. If that doesn't take you to it, then just Google Adam Curry, C-U-R-R-Y, and podcasting 2.0, and you'll, you'll find it. You'll figure it out. Anyway, the whole deal here is that Dimitri has, some, has this to say. He says, oh no, Adam Curry, you are a Bitcoin believer? No. My DJ hero from the 80s? No. Discuss the 78 terawatt energy use annually, the 45-minute settlement time. The 12 transactions per second. It uses fucking 761 kilowatt hours per transaction. It's ridiculous. Open your eyes, Mr. Adam Curry. (laughs) 45 minute settlement time. 12 transactions per second. 12 transactions per second is actually the only thing that he's got right here, and that's actually a little high. It uses 761 kilowatt hours per transaction. (laughs) I don't even know what... You look, there's your smoldering pile right there. Let's let's go right on into a joke. Holy shit, man. Um, Do I have one? Oh, wait a minute. I don't. Hold on. Okay, here you go, man. Here you go. Uh, Dad says, joke says, I asked the surgeon if I could administer my own anesthetic. He said, sure. Knock yourself out. Okay, so yeah, things have been getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Um, It's interesting that we're we're seeing this bull really start coming into full development uh, right around the exact same time that we see all the other bulls come into this type of development. So what will December 16th hold for us this year? Nobody knows. I'm not going to make a prediction about it because that would just be stupid, right? Okay, But uh, I will say we probably want to look real closely at this cycle and compare it to the last cycle. I'm just, I'm just saying, and look at like the years of, you know, because traditionally September is a bad year for Bitcoin. And then October starts kind of coming up a little bit, you know, kind of flat lines and maybe a little bit of recovery. And then we get in November and December and we start seeing some, we start seeing some euphoria. So it'll be interesting to see if that pattern repeats and how many times it repeats on into the future, if it does so. Anyway, with that said, I will see you on the other side.